Um, let's give it up for the worship team again. Vanguard worship team. You know, do you ever get a feeling like uh, we're in a Disney movie? Sometimes I feel like that. You know, like, uh, like, like, like today, right now. It's like, bonjour, 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 bonjour. There goes the worship team. They play like always. <laughs> right? The same old song. And some of to sing as well. So let's welcome each other with a hearty bonjour or good morning or hello. wanted to remind everyone that we have our journey wall going on on the side. You can see that uh, we have a lot of pictures, but there's still room for more. So I know a lot of us haven't had a chance to dig out some of the old pictures and some of the old memories. But if you get a chance, uh, you know, share with one another some of our old memories, as well as our hopes for uh, and dreams for the future. And we can write those on there and post those on there. So remind everyone about the journey wall. If you get a chance, get out your blue, I think they're all blue, or uh, uh, a little uh, welcome cards. You can write any praises, any prayer requests, and write those down. Uh, later on, we'll be passing the offering around, and you can place those in the offering basket. We do have a Families Forward uh, Clean Out Your Pantry food drive coming up. Uh, you're encouraged to bring... Uh, non-perishable food items to church next Sunday. So write it on your notes, bring it next Sunday. And you can see uh, uh, Katie or, or see for more details on that. Also having a toiletries, uh, toiletries donation to Families Forward. Uh, so uh, anything from the hotel size toiletries, I don't know about you guys, I usually save those when I you know, go to a hotel. <laughs> I think it's the Asian thing in me, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, any toiletries uh, that you can bring, that, that'll be great. And you can see Hua for that. Uh, she can give you more information uh, on that. Uh, we'll be doing Operation Christmas Child again. Uh, please start collecting those empty shoe boxes and get ready to fill those with uh, various items that we can share with uh, people who uh, are in need with that. Uh, we can see uh, Katie or C for that for more information. The boxes will be collected uh, the next uh, four Sundays starting in October. Uh, October 7, 14, 21, 28, and five Sundays, November 4th, too. Um, and for more announcements, we also have Trey uh, to come up to, to talk to us about the prayer walk. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but it's around this time every year uh, you, you'll hear about the prayer walk because it's an annual prayer walk. It's a chance for us to go out and walk over the UC Irvine campus and lift up the ministry to the students. Uh, and we pray for all the ministries in general, but our specific focus is reaching the 12,000 international students that come through every year uh, from like 68 different nations. And so just, just by way of update, uh, we really have a sense of gathering momentum. This is our fifth year that we're starting uh, at UCI. And, uh, you know, the first year we're just kind of learning, look, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and uh, how to reach students from places other than East Asia, because that's our background. Uh, and we didn't see any decisions for Christ the first year, but we learned a lot. 
The second year, as soon as it started, we really had a sense that God was going to bring a great, a huge catch of fish, and that started as soon as the fall started. Um, and we saw students, you know, making decisions for Christ, begin discipleship, and so on. And that, that continued the following year, even though our team never really grew. It was just Tanya and me, and then eventually uh, Tanya's, you know, homeschooling the kids now. So I, we have a transfer staff who came in like two years ago. Uh, but we continue to see students receiving Christ. And this past year, uh, we finally had the breakthrough we've been praying for, uh, for students from the Middle East. Uh, they, and they weren't responding to us asking them to do things. They were searching us out. We didn't even have their contacts, and they're finding us, and they're saying, hey, I heard you guys at Bridges have Bible studies. Like, can we get in? <laughs> I've got some friends, too. And we were blown away. We ended up having uh, six students from the Middle East, as well as four other students, come with us all the way to Baltimore for a week after Christmas for our annual uh, vision conference. And it was fantastic. It was amazing to watch them engaging in this, this Bible series about who is Messiah at their tables with you know, students from 18 other Muslim nations uh, and really, really seeking, asking good questions. So we're, we're really thankful for what God's done. We think every great work of God begins with his people praying. And, I, and we've seen many of your faces out there over the years. Raise your hand if you ever came out with us to do the prayer walk. Yeah, thank you so much. Like this is, I'm just sharing a brief update to give you an idea of some of the fruit that you, you may not realize that you are sweating and kind of chatting around the campus, you know, I think is helping to produce. So, um, I have, you know, this is not an RSVP thing, so I have no idea if anyone's coming, <laughs> and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Oh, there's one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so anyway, we're really excited because the new year is starting, and for once, it's not two and a half staff uh, on campus, but we have six new staff members joining us at different levels, part-time volunteers, and they're really excited to get started. Tomorrow uh, from 12 to 4 is a huge, huge club uh, welcome fair for new students, and we have the potential to take in, you know, 400 or more new student contacts, um, and on the contact, it'll tell us if they want to study the Bible, if they want to hear about Jesus. It'll all be on there, so we'll know exactly who to call to like, set up appointments and do evangelism conversations. It's all starting right now, so it's a really a crux moment. And so we have, we're, gonna, we're not going to walk the whole campus. We'll walk the areas. Like We have four or five planned stops with some Bible verses and some things to pray for, as well as stats about uh, the campus. And I can get this to you if you're not able to join us but want to pray. Uh, but... Something about walking on the campus, you know, uh, my favorite verse on about prayer walking is uh, Joshua 1.3, at least we claim this for prayer walking. It says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as Mo uh, I spoke to Moses. And so we're going to put our soles of our feet all over this campus, the places where international students are hanging out, the place we're going to be sharing the gospel all week long and all year long. Uh, it makes a big difference, uh, and we really sense a lot of, there's been a lot of spiritual warfare lately. Uh, we, we sense a lot of attack in different ways, and uh, we, we know this is important. Um, and then the last verse I'll leave you with, that we're gonna, this is kind of the new theme verse for this, this year's uh, prayer walk. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, all things for which uh, you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. That's Jesus talking about prayer. That's wide open. So if you're, if you're remotely interested and you're, you're available today, please join us. Uh, we'll meet at the flagpoles uh, just before 2, and we'll set out at 2. 
It'll take 90 minutes if you do the whole thing. Uh, if you can just come for a part, that's fine too, but thanks for listening. And uh, Xing Xing uh, has an announcement to make too. Hi, ladies in the house. <laughs> Versus the one man. <laughs> so I'm so excited that this Friday we have the Little Woman's Movie Night, and the details have been finalized this morning. So we'll be meeting at the Regal Foothill Ranch Theater, and first we'll have dinner at the food court at 5.30 p.m., so it's right outside the theater, and there is outdoors, it's an outdoor site. Then afterwards, we'll see the 6.45 showing. So it'll be 6.45 p.m. this Friday, um, and Kelly will be buying a block of tickets for us. So if you can RSVP by Wednesday morning, she'll buy the block of tickets, and then we'll also send an email tonight with more information with the details. So I'm really hoping that all the ladies can come out for this. It should be a really great movie. I grew up watch, reading this book, so I love it. And actually, in preparation for today's announcement, I try to research if Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors, has said anything about Little Women. I couldn't find anything, but... Because <laughs> you know, you know, many of you know that I idolize him, basically. Um, but I did find an article by a blogger who wrote that the March family, which is a family represented in Little Women, is but a shadow of our truest, as Tim Keller writes, our truest and best elder brother, who basically out of obedience to his father, he emptied himself of every last right he had to possess because he loved us so much. So the March family was characterized by exceedingly great generosity and charity. This would be a great way to see how this plays out in action. So that's my nod to Tim Keller this morning. <laughs> but anyway, I hope all of you can make it, and we'll be sending out an email with more details tonight. Thank you all. Does that mean the men have the night off, or does that mean the men will be working hard when the women are out? <laughs> I don't know. Harder. There you go. Uh, just a reminder that the park will not be meeting this Saturday um, at Voyagers, but will resume uh, the following Saturday on October 6th. 7 to 9 p.m. at Voyagers on that. And Kelly has an announcement. Hi, I have a cool announcement. Um, Lifeway Christian Bookstore is having Church Week in October and November, and Harvest has been select, or invited to be the, uh, a highlighted church at Lifeway. So October 1st through 6th, if you go there any time that week, and you mentioned Harvest, you get like 20% off entire, the entire purchase. And if you, on October 4th through 6th, that Thursday through Saturday, they're going to have a table highlighting our church. So we're going to have like posters and pamphlets. And so let's like all go there and like hover around the table like a marketing thing. And so everyone will check out Harvest. So yes, if you have any shopping to do at, at uh, Lifeway, save it for October 1st through 6th. Save that 20%. <laughs> Uh, Couples Garden will be meeting on Friday, October 12th, uh, 6.30 to 9.30, the Tribigo Center, uh, Community Center. And, uh, and it's, it, I've only been once, but it, it's a great time to go. And, and any couples, uh, married, um, not married, uh, are welcome to come. And lastly, Jessica has an announcement. 
Um, so many of you know that the park has what we call the winter retreat. And um, I don't know, how many of you have, been, have ever been asked if you're more of like an ocean person or more of like a forest person? Like, I'm just wondering, is it like more of the kids? Yeah, I guess it's like more of a, I don't know. But in Irvine, it's so easy to be an ocean person because the beach is literally like, what, 20 minutes away? 50, I don't even know how far. It's like stupidly close. But the forest, I'm a forest person. And I love the ocean, but I also like being able to go to the forest and not have to come back with sand everywhere. Um, so I'm more of a forest person. But it's also kind of hard to find like a really nice, dense, wild forest here in suburban Irvine. You feel me? So I love going on like our retreats just because it gives me a chance to get away and it, it just a change of scenery. It's so nice. And the park makes so many memories. In the past, we've had um, kids go on morning hikes, kids going on morning hikes and getting lost. <laughs> um, we've had um, Shake Shack um, going ziplining. Uh, we've had card games in the Shake Shack that nobody understands except for like maybe two people. Um, it's insane and we make so many memories and we get so much closer to God and like I know a lot of kids come back from these what two or three days away saying they feel rejuvenated like their spirit for God has just come alive again. You know getting away from school, getting away from you know as much as we love you all family, um, getting away from friends here who maybe may not understand. It's, it's amazing. And I highly encourage uh, those in the park to come to invite friends and to just do all uh, this stuff. January 11th to 13th, we really do need uh, RSVPs because we need to sort out uh, car rides and all of that. So let us know. We hope you uh, can make it. And thank you. I think I'm more of a forest person because I don't like all the sand everywhere either. <laughs> Especially it gets in the house too. <laughs> Anyone read this book? The Giving Tree. Probably everyone has. All the kids, right? But the parents read it to you then, right? This is seriously uh, a two-minute read. Now, three minutes for me because I read a lot slower than everyone else is. But it's, it's about a tree and a boy, right? And how the tree gives up everything. The boy, yeah, he spends time uh, under the tree in the shade and makes crowns with, uh, uh, with the leaves. And then he kind of goes away for a little while and, and, uh, and then he comes back and the tree's longing for him. He says, oh, hi, let's come and play. And he goes, yeah, you know, I just want to play with my friends. I need money, do you have money? And the tree goes, well, you can sell my apples. So he goes and sells the apples, right? And then he doesn't come back until he's, you know, older and has kids. And he goes, yeah, uh, 
the tree says, oh, come and play with me, right? And, and the man, still called the boy, uh, the man says, you know, I, I just, you know, I have kids, I don't have time for you, uh, uh, but I need to build a house. So the tree goes, well, take my branches and you can build a house. So he does, right? Then comes back as an older man and, and, and the tree goes to him and says, um, uh, come and play with me. He goes, you know, I don't have time, I don't have the energy or anything. And he says, yeah, I, I just want to... I want to build a boat and just sail around in, in, in my retired years. So he says, well, cut down my trunk, and you can build a boat. So he does that, right? And then finally he comes when he's old, old, and, 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 uh, uh, and the tree says, come and play with me. And he says, you know, I, I'm too tired. I can't do anything. All I can do is sit. And so the tree says, well, I'll, I'm a stump now. And he sits up tall. He says, sit down with me. Right? Reminds me of, you know, the tree gave everything, right? Reminds me of parents and their kids. Reminds me of God and how much he's given to us. And they're longing to spend time with us, and we just come back every once in a while. But anyway, for God's perspective uh, on, on giving, I uh, hand it over to Al. Thanks, Brian. That, that was perfect. Uh, great introduction. Um, about a half year ago or so, God kind of put a message on my heart, and I thought that was kind of weird because I don't usually speak here and, uh, or, or get in front of it, but um, he put this on my heart, and then a, a, a couple months back, uh, I was meeting with the leaders, and they said, you know, Gary's traveling, and we're trying to fill some spots for the preaching schedule, and so they asked me, and it's like, oh, wow, and so it kind of all fit, and so couldn't be happier and feel more privileged to be before you uh, speaking today, and the topic that, that God put my, on my heart was giving, and I think giving is kind of an awkward topic for um, pastors to talk about because they don't want to be that pastor that is always asking for money or Harvest doesn't want to be that church that's always talking about money and asking for it. It's awkward and it it almost feels inappropriate. And so I think a lot of times uh, we kind of avoid this topic, but the giving that I hope we hear by the end of this message, it's not about the church needing money. It's not about us wanting to get a building. It's about having a loving relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the message for today. When I, when I was preparing for this lesson, giving is all through the Bible from the beginning to the end. It's, there's so many lessons. And so when I prepared for it, I kind of threw down some of my thoughts. And I went through it, and it's like, I, I timed it out. It's like, whew, there's over an hour of stuff here. So I had to cut some stuff out. I went, we're not going to go an hour. I went through it again, and it's like, Ooh, it's still like 45 minutes. And so I left some of it on there. We're probably going to skip on the end. But there's so many thoughts that I have that I want to start out today with the punchline. I'm going to start with, out with the message so that after that, the rest is going to be gravy for us today. And so the message today here is that God wants our hearts. Can you say that with me? God wants our hearts. And let's make it personal. Let's say God wants my heart. Can you say that for me? God wants my heart. That's today's message. And the rest of it's gravy. So if you forget the rest, that's okay. Just remember, God wants your heart. And you can say, God wants my heart. You know, in, in, the, in the thought of giving, you know, when we give to our loved ones, it's not the gift, right? It's the heart behind it. Or the, if we all say it's a thought that counts, it's the heart that goes behind the gift. And I thought, well, that also applies to God. And, you know, in thinking about this, this is kind of a, a random story, but it, it reminds me of the story I had with an episode I have with my uh, hygienist, dental hygienist. Dental hygienists are lovely people. I, I, I love them. They're, they're angels of our teeth. But they, like all lovely people, they like to talk. And the problem is, is that they got a mask, and I went like this. And it's like, hello, Mr. Alicia. It's like, hello. And it's like, oh, so how are you today? Or how's it been going? It's like, 
Fine, thank you. And, and, she, and she, she's like, what was that? I'm like, fine, thank you. And so she pulls it out, and I'm like, fine, thank you. She's like, oh, that's great. And then she's like, got that scraper thing and the thing going on. And she goes, so, any plans for the summer? I'm like, you know, and, and I was like, huh? And, and, and so then I said, nothing much. And then so she tells me about her summer. She was going on dental missions. That was a really cool story to hear. And she, just a lovely lady. But it's it just kind of a funny situation. And so next situation, my dental hygienist, she's working on me and, you know, scraping away and says, Mr. Wishi, you're a guy. And I was like, I was like, like, yeah? And she's like, let me ask you some advice. I'm like, okay. And so she goes, um, so I've been dating this guy for two months, and um, I wanted to like, kind of mark the anniversary with a gift. And so I was thinking about getting him a stuffed animal. And you know, you don't hear that. That's when I hear my mug. All right, so here's bullet point number one for you girls over here. If you're dating a guy for two months, stuffed animal, Uncle Alistair. All right. Anyway, I have to be nice to her because she has a really sharp thing in my mouth. It got And so um, I said, well, if the teddy bear or whatever it was is, represents your heart or your feelings, and she's pretty as can be, and she's a lovely lady. It's like, if it represents your heart or your feelings for him, I think it could work. I think it, it'll be really, a really nice thing. And she's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I was like, yeah. And, um, you know, unfortunately, she, she uh, quit, not because of me, she quit, so I didn't get to see how the story ended. I didn't get to follow up on her, but I'd like to think that, um, you know, it worked and that, you know, it showed her heart and, you know, it wasn't this material ball of germ-collecting fur, but it, 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 it was the heart that counted and that the guy put it somewhere special because it meant something. It's the heart that counts. And, and, and so much more so when we give to God, right? It's the heart behind what counts, and that's what we're going to learn about uh, today. Um, you know, before we get started, let me say a prayer first. Father God, today we're going to talk about giving, and, and, and you know, you're the, you're the giver of all. And so I hope that uh, through this message, it won't be about guilt, it won't be about um, uh, uh, people feeling forced to give, but about being in a loving relationship with you, because that's the message I think you want to give to us today. Uh, please speak through me clearly, and help me to speak the truth today. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So just kind of uh, level set where we're going to be at in the Bible, we're going to uh, look at Genesis uh, chapter 4. And um, so chapter 1 in Genesis, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Night, day, land, sea. And then we get to chapter 2, we have the seventh day where God rests. And then, then the story kind of starts over again, and it focuses on the creation of man. And God says, you know, Adam needs a helper, so he creates Eve out of his ribs. And then we get to chapter 3. Oh, maybe the saddest chapter in the whole Bible. It's the fall of man, where, where Adam and Eve sin, and sin's introduced to the world. They eat the forbidden fruit. And then we come to chapter 4, and that's our passage for today. Adam made love to, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, 
Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, not be accept will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the, to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? So in our story, we have two brothers, Cain and Abel. We actually don't know much about them. Uh, we know that Cain's the older one, and he uh, tended the, the, um, the fields and, and probably was at the orchards and the vegetables and the fruits and vegetables, so that was his job. And then Abel tended the livestock, so he's with the cows and whatever else he was growing up on that side. All we know, and so, and we don't know much more, we know that uh, Abel likes to have his hair more natural and Cain does it flat up on the picture, but that's pretty much all we know. And then this, except for this passage here in chapter 3 and 4, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of the fruit, uh, firstborn of, the, of his flock. And so this is where we get the concept of first fruits. I'm sure we've heard giving God our first fruits, and this is partly where it comes from. When I thought of fruits, I thought about what's my favorite fruit, and my favorite fruit, hands down, is avocados. And I thought this was a good example because, um, you know, avocados, there's this perfect time when avocados are just right, you know. The, the, the skin peels off, the meat's firm, and it's just delicious. It's nature's butter, uh, 20 nutrients, and, 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 and it's really good for you, and it's just great. But if you go to the store, they usually have it really green. And when it's green, it's really hard, and the skin doesn't peel off right, and the meat's tough, and it, you can't even eat it. And, but if you get it a little bit too late, it starts getting a little brown inside, and you peel it, and it's sticking to the skin. It's like, and you just kind of make guacamole with it, right? And so, so there's this perfectness. And, and so I imagine if Abel was going to the Ralph supermarket and getting avocados for God, he would kind of do, he'd be like feeling each one, right? Finding the perfect ones, going through the effort. And if, it, if they didn't have it at Ralph's, maybe he'd go to the other store and go find the perfect ones and make this effort behind it. Where Cain, on the other side, I just feel like you know, he's working in the fields, a little tired. Oh, I got to get my offering. He just got, grabs some off the shelf and then runs and gives his offering, uh, offering before the Lord. And so that's what I see here. Have you ever gotten a gift from someone and you can just tell they got it on the way home? You know? And I think that's kind of how God feels about Cain's gift a little bit. Or on the reverse side, have you ever gotten a gift where they wrapped it really nicely, and it's, it's so intricate, you don't even want to open the thing. And that's why my sense of, of what Abel's gift is like. He puts a lot of thought into it. And so what's the result? What do you think Abel's life is like? It says God looked on Abel, not just his gift, but on Abel and his gift with favor. Do you know those people that have this blessed life? You look at some people and like, they're good at sports, they get good grades, they're good-looking, and just everything just seems to fall in place. And to top it all off, they're really nice people, too. You know, and, and you, just, you just think, you know, God's really blessed this person. And if, if, if I think about Abel, if it's God has given Abel his favor, that's what I picture with Abel. Do I think Abel's lonely? No! I think he has this very full and abundant life. Does his animals, uh, uh, are, are his animals not reproducing well? No! I just imagine they're reproducing like oodles. Why? Because he has God's favor on his life. What's the result of his giving? 
Sorry, I got, got a little ahead of myself. Um, you know, when, um, when, when my kids get good grades, they're happy and because they can't wait to come home to tell me about it because they know that we're going to be pleased with them, right? Or when they wash the car, which is kind of rare, but when they wash the car for us, um, they're excited or they're happy, not because they're going to get the $2, but because, uh, but because they know they're going to be pleased because they did a good job. And I, I just imagine that Abel goes through life knowing that God is pleased with them. How great and how great that must have felt for him and how full it was, must have been for him. All because he gave his first fruits for God. Do you guys know the story? Do you guys know the story about the jars? You've seen this before? There, I, I looked it up, and there's actually a few uh, versions of it. And I, I'll just read the one that I found. A teacher walks into a classroom, and he sets a glass of jar on a table. He silently places uh, two-inch rocks in a jar until no more can fit in. He asks the class, is the jar full? And they agree it is. Really, he says. And then he pulls out a, a pile of pebbles. He pours that in, shaking it slightly until they fill the spaces between the rocks. He asks again, is the jar full? And they agree. And then what does he do next? He gets sand. And he gets a scoop of sand and he fills it up in a jar. And now he says, now is the jar full? And what does he give next? Water. He pulls out a pitcher of water and he fills it all up. And he tells the class, so what does the story of the jars mean? And, and, and uh, one student says, well, there's always more room to put in more. And he's like, yeah, that's one version of it. But he said, if you think about it, if I didn't put the big rocks in first, none of the other stuff would have fit. It would have been a mess. And, and here's a great comparison of it, that when we get the big rocks in, the good things in life, the important things in life, and in, in the story he talks about how family comes first, but in, in our version of it, for me, it's about giving God first, giving God our best and our first. That fills our jar first. And then, look, everything else fits in. And then the other jar, I think, is a really good picture of what I picture Cain to be like. It feels a little bit disorganized, a little bit like, like it feels like it's in a rush, like things aren't fitting in. And, and at the end, the big rocks don't fit. And so that's a great picture of Cain. And so what about, we talk about Abel's life. What about Cain's life? What do you picture Cain's life being, being like? I'm going to jump, jump backwards to chapter 3. And when Adam and Eve ate, ate of the fruit, forbidden fruit, and they were cursed, this is what God says to them. And I'll just read off the slide here. God tells them, cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow will you eat your food until you return to the ground. I don't know if you ever heard from farmers. I, I, I don't know where I heard, met a farmer, but I think from magazine shows uh, on TV or uh, just through conversation. But if you ever heard about farm work, it's hard work. You always hear that it's crack of dawn till dark, right? That that's kind of the schedule they work. And so I imagine Cain's life wasn't much different than that. A hard life. And when I look at chapter 3, um, whew, painful toil. Does it say it's going to be fruitful? No, it says thorns and thistles. And then, by what? By the sweat of his brow. And so when I was thinking about Cain and Abel and who I relate to, I think, God, you know, I kind of relate to Cain a little bit more. Doesn't life kind of feel that way? Painful toil? Thorns and thistles. And I thought about, um, you know, we, we go to work. You know, we have five things to do. And then it's like 4.45 and you want to go home and you only got three and a half done. Right? Thorns and thistles. And, and, or, or maybe uh, the boss is coming down on you and it's a little stressful. 
thorns and thistles. And then you go home, and you realize, oh, gee, work was the easy part today, <laughs> you know? You know, kids need help on a science project, rides a soccer practice. They need to be fed. Got to do the laundry. Thorns and thistles. And guess what? Tomorrow, we do it all over again. Painful toil. And I know, you know, here in Irvine, you know, we are probably the most blessed generation ever as far as having things, um, uh, conveniences. We have the World Wide Web in our pockets half the time. And it's just, we're blessed. But it's still, somehow, it feels like painful toil, doesn't it? And so that's why I, I, I see a little bit about what Cain's life, life is like. Because Cain doesn't give his first and best to God, um, God is not pleased with his offering. And, and so can you imagine Cain? I, I just, like, he works hard all day. He comes home. He feeds his family. He, not only does he provide for his own family, he probably find, provides for the other families as well. Morning till dark, every day. And then he goes to church. And then a preacher man says, you have to give. And it's not even a regular preacher man. It's a substitute preacher man. And he says, you have to give. And he's tired, right? I can relate to that sometimes. And then what happens? He goes, okay, so I'm, I'm going to give. So he gives. And then what did God say? God does not look on his offering with favor. Oh, how does that make him feel? How would that make you feel? You work all day. You painful toil. You say, oh, wait, I gotta, I'm going to give at church so I, I, I get my offering together. And then God's not pleased with it. It's like, oh, how does he feel? And the Bible says he feels angry and sad. His face is downcast. And what's really cool about God, I think he understands this. Um, you know, when Cain doesn't give his first and best, he doesn't throw rocks at him. He doesn't bring elephants to run him over. He doesn't throw lightning bolts at him. What does he do? He says, hey, Cain, I get it. But you could turn your life around. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Turn that frown upside down. You can turn it around right now. You, I know you're angry, you're upset, you feel empty, maybe a little bit depressed, but if you give to me first and your best, like your brother did, not to compare brothers, but like if you give your first and best, will you not be accepted? You could turn it around. And so he's throwing rope, came this big rope to turn it all around. And what happens in this context if you don't give your first and your best? And it's right here. Can you read the big part for me? It says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what, what is right, can you read the big part? Sin is crouching at your door. Youth, what happens if you don't give God your first and your best? Vanguard, what happens if you don't give God your first and your best? Sin is crouching at your door. Harvest Community Church, what happens if you don't give God your first and your best? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And how? By giving God our first and our best. And I think that's the message we have here today. You know, I think about Abel's life. I don't think his life was perfect. You know, he had thorns and thistles too. Have you ever smelled the cows when you drive up the five going to San Francisco? Whew, those things stink. You know, I don't think he had this perfect life either. But somehow, I think because he gave God his first and best, I think God was like a safeguard against, over his heart so that he had this protection from sin. And yet for Cain, sin was crouching at his door. As we're going to see shortly in our story, sin can be impulsive, right? How many times do we hear um, uh, in a moment of rage, in a moment of passion, uh, in a moment of weakness, 
in a moment of tiredness, in a moment of high pressure, I did, you know, I blew it. You know, at least you hear that so much. And that's the cool thing about giving. When you give, it's premeditated, it's thought out. It's something that God puts on your heart, and then you follow through, and you give. So whether you have a good day, bad day, it doesn't matter. You just give, and that's the cool thing about giving. And the defining fork in the road for us here in the story of Cain and Abel, it's not just if you give, but giving your first and best to God, and not just giving him the leftovers or the spare. So what happens in our story? Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they're still in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's a sad story. You know, when I hear crimes in the, in the news, I all think, how could they? You know, especially if someone hurts a kid, how could they? How could he kill his brother? How could he? And the answer is because sin was crouching at his door. It took a hold of him. It gripped him. In a moment of rage, he kills his brother. And then he lies about it. So he's a murderer, and now he's a liar. And then he's also very selfish. If you read on, he doesn't say, God, forgive me. Yeah, I blew it. Sorry. He doesn't say that. He says, you know, I'm worried that I'm going to be punished. I'm worried people are going to want to kill me, God. Save me. You know, how selfish. Never mind his brother he just killed. He's so selfish, right? Murderer, liar, selfishness. And so we got, by not giving God his best and his first, it snowballs into this, this thing that he's become. And so he's banished from the garden, and he, he goes out to be a restless wanderer, it says. So let's do the math of our story. One gives his first and his best, God looks his favor. And, we, and all those things that uh, we would imagine that comes with them. Just someone who's very blessed abundance, fullness. One just gives some. Sin is crouching at his door. He gives in to the sin. Murderer, liar, and selfishness. Whew, heavy story. So how does giving help us to rule over our sin? I think the first thing is that it draws our hearts to God. That when we give, we give our hearts. Matthew 6, 21 says, where our treasure is, there is our heart also. And so our heart goes to God. Is that a safeguard? Absolutely. Sorry, I need to turn my page here. You know, one of the hard passages that um, Paul uh, gives in the scriptures in Colossians, he tells, he tells the people in Colossians to set your minds on things above, not on things of the world. You know, I got those five things to do at work. I got to come home. I got to make sure the kids eat. We got to do some laundry and then do it all. Like, how does this work? How do I set my things on minds above? And I think the answer is in our story here. It's through giving. Because when we give, our heart goes with it. You know, if, 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 we, if, we, if we give to the building fund, we're going to have a great heart and interest in how the building fund's going. If we give to the crew ministry, you'll probably show up at Aldrich Hall at 145 today because your heart's there. If you give to a homeless shelter, your heart will naturally take an interest. Oh, how, how, how are those homeless people doing? What, what happened there? Giving turns our hearts, it brings our treasure to God's kingdom. Giving also strengthens our relationship with God. Abel is a great example of that. And when we're strengthening our relationship with God, sin fades. 
I know for your old school, uh, one of my uh, favorite hymns is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You guys know that hymn? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And what happens? The, strings of, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I love that because that's being in a relationship with God. When you're in a relationship with God, sin fades. Last night, um, our small group got together and we took the summer off and it was really good to get back together. And when I was in this, the fellowship of our small group, was sin bothering me or bogging me down? No way. Did I feel empty or sad? No way. I felt full. I felt loved. I felt like I was giving love. It was just great fellowship that we were having. And it was secure, and sin fades in that fellowship. And I was thinking, well, if that's how it was for me at small group, how much more so when I strengthened my relationship with God and fellowship with God? Giving shapes our hearts to be more like God. If you think about who God is for us, God's giving us everything, right? And if that wasn't enough, he gave us his only son. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus gave his life for us. Why? So that we can have life, to forgive our sins. God's given us everything. And so when we give, our hearts become shaped a little bit more like God. Said differently, become a little bit more Christ-like. And, um, and, and, and when you think about Jesus' life, was it a life full of purpose and fullness? 100%. Don't we want life with purpose and fullness? I think it's 100%. Go ahead and read it, Matthew. I'm going to have Brian read it. Let's, let's, uh, let's just read the first part. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And for those of you who know the story, and I won't read through the whole thing, I'm, I'm gonna, we're, I, I want to be cognizant of our time. But, but Jesus said the king separates the goats on his right, I'm sorry, puts the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And how does he separate them? By those who gave. And then the, 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 the goats, the, the, the sheep said, wow, Jesus, when did we give to you? And he said, well, whenever you gave to one of the least of these, you gave it to me. And when he goes to the goats, they said, well, we, we didn't see you, Jesus. We, didn't, we don't remember uh, when we didn't give to you. And then Jesus says, likewise, when you didn't give to the least of these, when you didn't visit me in prison, when you didn't give me something to drink when I was thirsty or give me something to eat when I was hungry, what you didn't do for the least of these, you didn't do for me. And that's how Jesus separates it, those who give and those who don't give. And I thought, this is pretty harsh, actually, because not only just says, you're a goat, he says, you're going to eternal punishment. And for those on the right, he says, to eternal glory. Like, when I read the Bible, it says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, not believes in him and gives, right? It's just believes. Or Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace that you are saved. Not by works, not by giving. So how does that work? How can that be? And so, but as I thought, and I compared this verse, this, this, this scripture to the story of Cain and Abel. We see how when we give, how it snowballed into this life of, of, where sin fades and being blessed by God and God's favor. And then when, we didn't, when, when Cain didn't give his first and best and he just gave some, sin was crouching at his door. And so you can see how the, that separation is a little bit more clear here. And so this, this chapter actually makes a little bit more sense in light of the story of, of Abel and Cain. Switching gears here. I'm jumping around, I know. 
Oh, we're going to skip that. We're going to skip that. And I want to talk about investments, where we put our money at. You know, I, I, I don't know if you follow the stock. I know a lot of you follow the stock market. And, um, you know, with investments, it, with the CD, the, the interest rates are terrible. It's like half percent, the one and a half percent. And so there's something called the mutual fund kids. And a mutual fund is where these, these, these banks uh, put, buy stock in a bunch of companies, and you're allowed to participate in it through a mutual fund. You could buy a little bit. So you could own like a little bit of Apple and IBM, just a little bit, through a mutual fund. And so they always compare it to the index fund. And one of the index funds that's popularly compared to is the Vanguard 500. The Vanguard 500 is the 500 biggest companies and that's invested in in, in, the, in the stock market. And so how did it do? Woo, 9.9% uh, year to date. And we're not even through the whole year. That's fantastic. We're, it's called a bull market. Things are great. Um, the Russell 2000 index, whoo, even better, 10.3%. And that makes sense. Russell 2000 is, is what's called small cap. They're like smaller companies. But usually when the market as well, um, the more risky stocks, the smaller ones, they tend to do a little bit better. So that totally makes sense. How about the NASDAQ? The NASDAQ is where all your tech stocks are. Woo, 20%. Happy days are here, right? But if I'm your investment advisor and I give you these choices, what if I tell you that there's an investment where you can get the floodgates of heaven? Not 10%, not 9%, but not 20%, but floodgates of heaven. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is interesting. Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil? And the devil tells Jesus to throw himself down into the rocks? What does Jesus say? Don't put your God, Lord be God, to the test, right? And yet here Jesus, or, I'm sorry, God says, test me in this. Bring in the tithe. Tithe means 10%. Bring in the tithe. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. So what? So I, and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Whew. I'd like to get on in that investment. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 says, One person gives freely that gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Who teaches their kids about money? I, I try to sometimes. And um, what do we tell our kids? I tell them, study hard. Right? And then I tell them, uh, you have to work hard. And then what? Save, right? I've never told them to give freely. But look at what this passage says. The person that gives freely gains even more. There's a picture of wealth here. And those that don't, comes to poverty. That's what God's word says. And so I hope that when we talk to our kids about money, and you know, I think this is something that our kids are actually better than we are about giving freely, right? I think so. Um, I know my kids are. To give freely, that's a good thing. When your kids give freely, encourage them. Don't say, oh, oh you're going to save your money. No, encourage them. Give freely. It's a good thing. I'm running a little long, but I, 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 want, I really want to get the story in. Um, one of my favorite musicians in the whole world is Dennis Lynn, and, and he, 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 he's a good friend. I, I, um, I, Dennis told a story about a violin uh, a while ago. It had to do about giving, and you can't give out God. And it was like at least five years ago he did it, and it was so meaningful. 
I remember the whole story. And so I approached him. I said, hey, can you give that story again? And he's like, oh, I'm going to be in Taiwan. So he's actually leading, an, I think, an orchestra in Taiwan right now, which is, which is super cool. But he said, you know what, please share it. And um, I'm not going to share about the violin. I'm going to let Dennis share about that, because he actually gave me two stories of his. And uh, I think the, the, the second story was actually even more uh, impactful for me as I read through his testimony. But this comes from our brother, Dennis Lin. He said, the year was 2000. I was single, but engaged to be married. While I was having prayer time with God in my closet, the Lord had put, uh, put on my heart to give a sum of money to a ministry called Christian Services for the Blind, a loving ministry that made Bibles in Braille for the blind. The sum that God placed on my heart was really awkward sum, $6,000. Why not five or 10 or 2,500? That was $6,000. You know, I was a young professional. At the time for me, it was a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. And I really struggled with the amount. I think I actually said, ouch. But immediately I felt the Lord speak to me. Dennis, what would you give if you lost your sight? And just as quickly my heart changed, I thought I would give everything, my entire life savings, even my violin I love so much, to get my sight back. And instantly I no longer felt like it was a struggle or burden. I had a joy and genuine desire to give the sum to the ministry. I've heard amazing stories about how God had given extravagantly and the Lord always outdoes them and blesses them exceedingly. I have to admit, I didn't think the Lord would do this for me. I didn't want to expect anything back. And if you talk to Des, it's really funny when he tells us, he's like, oh, yeah, God, you don't have to give anything back to me. You know? and, I, and I hope he, te- he could tell the story by himself. We could hear it again. It's such a good story. In my human insecurity, I told the Lord, y'all, it's been so good to me. I want to give to this ministry for your glory. You don't have to bless me back. It's okay. My beautiful wife, a genius named Joan Ann, was getting her PhD at USC. PhD stands for Pray Harder Dennis. <laughs> Jonan, a lot of these PhD programs in science, they, they have stipends. And Jonan had a stipend, and just as he gave that 6000 they doubled her stipend. And guess how much? They counted it up, how much it would be, and guess how much it was going to be? $6,000. Dennis says, wow, I gave you $6,000, Lord, of your money back to you, and you gave it right back. Thank you so much. Later that September, you know, they're they, uh, they still not married yet. And so he said, later that summer, I'd saved up all this money throughout my life for my big day, for my wedding day. And about two months before my wedding, my dad calls me. And he says, son, your uncle Wen loves you very much. He wants to pay for your wedding banquet. And, he, and, you know, Dennis had one of those real Taiwanese, Chinese weddings where like 600 people. And he said it's like, he said it's 40, about $45,000 was the cost. Definitely not chump change. But his uncle and auntie... He said, my uncle and auntie love me so much and are so kind and generous, but there's no way I could let them give that to me. And his dad agreed, being a fairly typical Taiwanese man, would never allow me to accept such a huge gift from my uncle. This uncle is uh, Dennis's mother's brother. Uh, and let me introduce you to my mom's brother, Uncle Wen. You may not know him, but he has touched your life in a substantial way. That's because he created the image format called JPEG. My uncle and auntie used to babysit me when I was a child. They have all treated me like a son, and I love them dearly. Two days later, I got a call from my dad, and he said something that was completely out of character for his, this Taiwanese dad. Son, I have decided to let your Uncle Wen pay for your wedding banquet. I was thinking, I, I, go, uh, Dennis was, I said, what? What has gotten into you, Dad? You call yourself Taiwanese? This is Dennis, not me. <laughs> How could you even think of allowing this? What have you done with my real father? My dad started cracking up. He said, you don't understand. Uncle just left the company, and they sold it to Cisco. 
uncle owned 13% of the company, and Cisco just bought it for 200 million. <laughs> so your wedding banquet, it's not really a big deal for him. He loves you so much, and he wants to do this, so just let him pay for the banquet. There have been a few times, this is Dennis saying, there's been a few times where I felt like I experienced true fear and trembling before God, and I bowed before God, and I was speechless. And he, he was shaking, and he heard about testimonies of God lavishing his blessings in return for what I believe as some sort of sacrificial part, part uh, sacrifice, um, believed that some sort of giving on his sacrificial giving on his part, but he was utterly blown away. My mouth was wide open. I felt it deeply in my gut that there truly was no possible way I could ever outgive God. And this is the, 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 the last part uh, that I want to share. It says, what would I have missed if I didn't take that scary, scary step of faith? I love that. What would I have missed if I didn't take that scary step of faith? We're going to skip a little here. At a, at a leaders meeting recently, um, you know, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is, is our building fund. And um, with the Goddard building, um, you know, the, the deacons were in charge of making that determination of whether we move forward or not. And, you know, the costs were about double, triple, quadruple, we weren't sure, of what was the initial expectation. Um, the communication wasn't going great. Um, some things weren't being done the right way. So it wasn't just the money. It wasn't just one thing. It was everything. There's this whole vast uh, uh, list of reasons why we weren't able to go forward. And um, we were really disappointed by it. And I think some of you were as well. But the deacons made the right choice. And I'm so thankful for their, their, their wisdom and, and, and the building committee, too, that, that was led by Kenny. They absolutely made the right choice. But I was in a meeting with the leaders. And... Um, one of the leaders lamented. It said, because one thing, even though the, we felt the cloud church, maybe they weren't making, uh, making steps in the right directions or doing everything the right way, we admired their faith. That even though they don't have it all added up or they haven't made sure they got you know, the right funds in place here or there, they're just doing it. And, and we kind of admired their faith. And so one of the leaders in our meeting says, what if God just wanted us to do it? It wasn't $75,000. What if it was $300,000 instead of the $75,000? You know, what is that to God? Maybe we should have faith too. What do you think God would have said? If we had to go before God, what do you think he would have, he would have said, he would say to us? And um, I kind of had something in my mind, but one, another leader said, I don't have the mind of God. And I said, oh yeah, neither, neither do I either. <laughs> so I don't want to say anything, but uh, I don't have the mind of God. And, and, and um, so that was our discussion. But, but um, you know, we were really excited. And so we were really disappointed that maybe we should have just gone for it. And, so this is the message that God put on my heart. And this is even before this meeting. It was way before this meeting that God put this on my heart. And this is a, kind of a dream that I had. And that um, the elders and deacons go before God. And they're disappointed about the building. He said, you know, God, it's been 10 years. We've been trying to get a building. You know, we, we collected all this money from our congregation. And I feel like we didn't honor it. So, sorry. But, you know, the Goddard building, it just, it was just not, didn't feel like the right move. We weren't sure. Sorry, God, about that. And this is what I dream that God would say to them, to the leaders. Leaders, deacons, elders. When we had the building fund, do you know a college student out of their wallet gave $20 to 
Did you know that a family that was kind of had a tight economic window said, you know what, I'm going to give another $100 a month for a period of time. Did you know that some members gave $2,000, $20,000, even more? When that college student gave me that $20, when that family on a tight budget gave me that $100, when that family gave me that $10,000 or more, they gave me their heart. And that's all that mattered in the first place. It was never about the gift. They gave me their heart. And so I even picture him saying, Sean, it's not about the gift. Daryl, it's not about the building. Jerry, it's not about the worship hall. It's about the heart. And so I got exactly what I wanted. I got Harvest Community's heart. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, out of the dream. Um, you know, as leaders, I think it's our heart's desire, 100%, that we still want to pursue a building. Absolutely. And, um, you know, before this whole building fund came up, we actually hired a professional fundraiser to come and meet with us in, in, a, in a room. And he, he kind of told us what it would take to do a building campaign and so forth. And then we voted on it. And I, I, I'm going to make it up. I think there's like 12 of us there, if any of you remember it. And we voted on whether we want to move forward with, with the building campaign. And the vote was 12 to 1 in favor of it. Guess who the one was? <laughs> Why? Because I thought that the building campaign would create financial stress on our church. I, I, I know that um, you know, uh, we're, we're relatively a small church, and uh, you know, I think this facility is great, actually, but um, you know, it, 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 um, I was worried that it, it, it would distract us from the ministry that God placed on our hearts. Um, more importantly, the promised land. More, more importantly, the park and our ministries. I thought, oh, it's going to be a distraction. But what I realized is that when Harvest Community put together a million and a half dollars some million and a half to two million dollars of, of our finances, Harvest Community Church gave God their hearts. And if that's what Harvest Community gave through a building fund, how much more so, when we actually are able to get a building, how much more so will we give our hearts to God through a building? And so now I'm, I'm, I'm full charge. Giddy up. Let, let's go. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And if it happens, that's great. And if it doesn't happen, tomorrow or in the next year or whatever, that's okay, because God got what he wanted. He's got our hearts. I'm way over time, and so I, I'm going to close. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and I'm going to share one more passage before I close out. The passage goes like this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus says, the most important one is this, answered Jesus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the God, the, uh, the God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Say it with me. God wants our hearts. God wants our hearts. Amen. Let's, let, let's pray. Father, thank you for the message about giving and how it allows us to shape our hearts to be a little bit more like yours. How giving allows us to be safeguarded from sin. 
and how giving builds our relationship with you, to be in a loving relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word, and thank you for this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.